This was an epic, epic failure in the last several years by Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. And that's why they're gone. The Bruins on paper have more talent. They've got more marquee talent, more marquee names. That's not what wins in the playoffs. It'll, it'll score you a lot of pretty goals, get you a lot of pretty stats in the regular season, but come the playoffs, a totally different ball of wax. Listen, baseball is full of cheaters. They have been full of cheaters for the entire history of the sport. Either you're cheating as a hitter, or you're cheating as a pitcher, and you're, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? When we last convened, boys and girls, the Boston Bruins had Stanley Cup dreams. The Boston Celtics were coached by a 44-year-old mass hole. And no team, I mean no team, had ever gone into Fenway Park and hit eight home runs in a game. But my friends, the world has changed since we last got together. We are the Sons of Bellhorn coming back at you here in mid-June. How did that happen so quickly? And I can't think of two bigger SOBs than I'd rather figure this all out with than my main men, Steve Sheely, Darwin Zuck, and guys, we got a lot to get to, like I talked about. Celtics, Bruins, Red Sox, and time permitting, it may not, the Patriots. Is it the Mac Jones era? We will sound off on that. But let's begin with the the big news that really came around uh, around the time that we last talked. We didn't get it. It didn't happen when we last talked, but soon thereafter. Uh, Danny Ainge, gone. Brad Stevens, promoted. What the hell is going on with the Celtics and who's going to coach them next? Uh, Who do we start with? Alphabetical order. That would be you, Steve Sheely. I, you know, I, I got to say, there's no one happier in the world than Darwin Zook right now. He's been calling for this for a long, long time, for Brad Stevens <laughs> to go. He didn't technically go out the door, but he went upstairs. Man, I, I, am, uh, I am shocked. I, 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 I did see some changes coming. I was, I was wondering if Ainge might see his last days in the Celtics, Celtics green right now, but uh, I did not see him leaving and Brad Stevens taking his place, opening the coaching, the coaching box up because Stevens just signed an extension. He was, he was going to be in Celtics on the bench for a long, long time. Of course. And he just moved moved on up. I get I guess he, he needed to be recharged by having a harder job. So I don't I don't really get that. Uh maybe reinvigorated, re-inspired. But uh, you know, there's a lot weighing down on on coaches, especially the last two seasons, with the pandemic and the bubble and the short off season and coming back and having really an underperforming team as we've talked about over and over again. Uh so maybe going into the front office there and having a chance to bring players in who don't suck, um, at least on the on the second and third units there, uh, might be good for him. I don't know. So some some non-semi-ogelés is what you're saying as well. Anyone but semi-ogelés. Semi-ogelés should be hosting a podcast on the Boston Celtics rather than playing for the Boston Celtics. He sucks, and so does the rest of the bench. Now, folks, if if you think that Steve Sheely hates semi-ogelé, well, you're not wrong, but that hatred may pale in comparison to the feelings and emotions that Darwin Zook has for the now former head coach of our mean green Boston Celtics. Darwin, am I correct? Yeah. Okay. Sheila, you're being way too forgiving on this whole situation. The whole reason Ojale is even there is Danny Ainge drafted him. This was an epic, epic failure in the last several years by Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. And that's why they're gone. This is an Ainge with a health issue. Now, nothing's black and white. Did have Ainge have health problems? Sure. But to me, this is an issue of a failure and a semi-firing 
of both Ainge and Stevens. The reason you can't just fire Stevens is the point you just made, Sheely, is that he was just given a contract extension. So basically, by bumping him up, you still retain his rights. You don't want to fire him and then pay the guy five more years or whatever it is on that extension. To me, when you look at it, Ainge has made so many mistakes in the last five to six years, culminating in getting nothing for Gordon Hayward when he could have at least had Miles Turner. Stevens was fed up to your point, Sheely, about what the bench was because Ainge is giving him nothing. And I agree with that point. The bench has been brutal, and that's because of Ainge. And Stevens has just had enough of it. And, and I think the, the owners had enough of it, Wick Grosbeck, and he said it's time for a massive change. And I think that's what happened. Sure. I mean, if we see Ainge get another general manager job of any kind in the next couple of years, and this point's even more obvious that he didn't retire because of health, he retired or that he was sent away because of his failings over the last several years. And I think it's overdue. So I hope Stevens at least can do a better job as a GM than he did the last several years as a coach. Oh man, I'm going to take umbrage with some of that. That's <laughs> Mike. That, there's a lot. There's a lot you said that was wrong right there. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to address first and turn, and let's go into the <laughs> draft picks. You can't tell me this dude is a bad drafter. Yes. He's had some bad drafts. What GM hasn't. Point me to the GM who has been picking mid to late rounds of the first round and has hit it every single draft. Absolutely, I agree. I'm not point arguing me, with that. But point I'm saying, me to the, G- the to the GM or person who's running a team who would have actually drafted Jason Tatum the year that they drafted him, trading back from the number one pick, going to number three. Point me to the GM or front office executive who would have drafted Jalen Brown where they drafted him. Where's it got them? Oh my God, they're the, they the winningest franchise in the Eastern Conference in the last decade. What have they done? They haven't even made the finals in the last. They haven't made the finals once. What does that get you? I don't care about making the second round every year or making the Easter Conference finals, getting blown out of the building by the heat. What has it got you? Where's the proof? Are you, well, I mean, you say about all these picks. Yeah, Tatum was a great pick. I get it. And Brown, yeah, sure, that was good. But surrounding it, when you go back five years, they had Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, the young Tatum and Brown. You just traded Thomas for Irving. Now what do you have? You have a team that bowed out in the second round. Um, excuse me, in the first round in five games. So what has that all got you? All those hoarding of picks, drafting the right guys, getting Hayward, it all went south. You can't look in the and Hayward got You can't look in the revisionist history and say, "Oh, well, it didn't work out." You have to look at the reasons why. That's not revisionist. It absolutely happens. It's what happened. It's absolutely revisionist history to say that they he put together a team with Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, that was at the top of the league. Everyone expected them to win. They all Gordon Hayward blew out his ankle in like seven minutes into the game or five minutes into the game, the first game of the season. And they and they had a chance to get something for him in a trade at the end. They got nothing. And they just let him walk out the door. Al Horford walked out the door. Kyrie Irving Al walked Horford. out the door. Right. And now you have a yeah, bunch I of people take calling with Horford here, man. and nothing to show for the team. Dude, uh, come on. Horford, like, I, I, you're making some good points here. But but Horford, I mean, uh, the train wreck that he was for Philly, for the money they paid him, like, I, I can't. Come on. Come well, on. The Celtics brought him in. I'm saying when you look at the, what the team was five years ago, or forget Horford. I mean, I don't see how this is even arguable. You had Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, two young stars. Now you're getting eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. You haven't been back to the NBA Finals in eight, nine years, and everyone talks about how good Ainge is and how good a coach Stevens was. I'm frustrated. I think it's been a oh disaster. Oh, my God, that's insane. That's insane. Disaster? I think it's reality. I'm a scoreboard I'm not going watcher. To, I don't go by things I'll made I'll say up. disappointment, say, but not disaster. I can't go disaster. Disappointment, absolutely. Absolutely a disappointment. But I think, like, 
I go by the scoreboard. Uh, those, I'm not arguing the facts, and I'm saying the facts disappoint me. So if you don't win a championship every single year, you're a failure. No, you haven't even been there in, in, in 10 years Listen, with all these great things all, you said he's done. How has he all done all the GM or coach can do is to put the team in a position to win. They are consistently in a position to win every single year. They make it. So it's on Stevens then for not executing. Partially. I agree with that. I think my point is you can't just blame one person or I think it's an organizational failure. I do think after the amount of time that Ainge has been with the Celtics, it probably is good to get a new voice in there. Uh, it probably is to a point where Brad Stevens has been around long enough where players could be tuning him out. That's absolutely feasible. I still think he's a heck of a coach, uh, but it is absolutely possible that players are tuning him out. So it's time for him to move on. Even if that means moving upstairs, that's great. Uh, is it great though? He's never done this before. Just you know, I'll drop the hand. I'll let go of the the hammer for a second. He's never been a uh, a GM or. But just go on the flip side of that. Every GM at some point, like you got you got to get your feet wet at some point. Yeah, and to I go mean, and, with the Boston Celtics with Jason Tatum, two years, three years left on his deal. If he leaves, and to go on the screwed. flip side of that, if you keep hiring the same people to get fired over and over again, is that a great move? I don't know. I mean, it it, it is absolutely a risk that they're taking hiring a guy who doesn't have any experience as a, a front office, uh, front office executive. But it's a risk I'm willing to take because he's a smart dude who, who you know knows the team better than anyone. And yeah, the coach will be the key move he makes right now. I mean, that's the first thing he has to do, and it, that I'm very curious about to see who what direction he goes with because we've heard we've heard about potential a monumental shift and seismic shift and hiring a woman coach potentially for the first time. I'm not opposed to that. Um, I will say, and this shouldn't sound like a racial comment at all. I think that they need to hire based on everything that's happened. A, a black coach. I think that's really important. I don't care whether it's a woman or a man, but I think just with reputation wise, and it shouldn't be political, but that's kind, or that's kind of the way it's happened in terms of when we look at sports and all the negative things that have been said about Boston. I don't think you can go and get some another Brad Stevens, you know, classic, like classic look white guy in his 40s. I think okay. you've got to get a guy that can identify with these players more that's played in the league. And, um, and, and I think it needs to be a black right, me, coach. I think that's really Let me important. ask you guys this though. I don't disagree. The thing I worry about though, is if that happens, people are going to criticize it because they're going to say, Oh, you know, how transparent you got Boston, the most racially charged city in America. At least that's the perception. Of course, you're going to hire a black coach. Of course you're going to, you know, expect roses and bouquets thrown at your feet for this, you know, but the reality is, you know, they're just, it's a, it's a PR stunt. It's not, you know, this is really who they wanted. They're just trying to change the narrative. And again, I'm not saying that that is legitimately what the case would be. I'm saying that's the perception of it. And I think that could cause a whole new can of worms, you know, as opposed to what we've currently got with the reputation of, of the city. So that that is one thing that concerns me if they go that route. I can I you know, uh, that's one of those things. I think you're damned if you do damned if you don't really. If you hire a black coach, you're going to hear those things. If you hire a white coach, you're going to hear why didn't you hire a black coach? If you're going to listen to all those people who are going to criticize over that, listen to the Internet trolls, then you're already losing. Hire the best person that's that's out for the job and you're absolutely. fine. And, and to Zook's point, I absolutely agree. I think they do need a black voice because. If you look at the the dynamics of the team, that's that's someone who speaks their language is is not necessarily a forty four year old white guy like like Darwin said. It's it's someone. It's, sometimes it takes someone who looks like you, talks like you, and, and knows what you're what you're going through. And in this day and age, and in, in the the racial 
uh, turmoil that's going on in this country, that's a lot of you need to speak to someone who who you can associate with and, and identify with, and and that is in this instance a cl- black voice, maybe. Yeah, and the question is who. So I think for me, I'm just going to throw a name out that I think would be so perfect, just as a former player that kind of under that can relate to these guys on a variety of levels, including getting Jason Tatum to understand which Tatum's done a better job of what it takes to win. It doesn't have to be a score. And that's former Chauncey Celtic I think great Chauncey Phillips that Rick Pitino showed the door. <laughs> Love Chauncey Phillips. He, he was the best player really on two Pistons championships teams that were not superstar laden at all. I mean, they had Chauncey Phillips and Rip hey, Hamilton. Hey, I mean, forget Hall Wallace's. of Famer Ben Wallace. Yeah, Rasheed Wallace, Ben yeah. Wallace. Yeah, yeah, and they had good players. But I'm saying in terms of their whole team dynamic, it, in some ways it was a lot like the bad boy Pistons in the late 80s. That was like the Detroit kind of way. Brand, Isaiah Thomas is an all-time great. But generally the way those teams were constructed are kind of similar. And I think Billups would really get through to guys like Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, to me, seems like a guy that would have been on that like Pistons team with, with Billups and Hamilton. He like fits that mold of tough defensive minded and I think Billups can really get through to these guys that it's just it's not about how many points you score we got to find a way to turn the corner make people around the stars better and 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 find a way to win in the playoffs which the Celtics have had a hard time doing winning you know one thing you said the first thing you said is that you're you're interested to see what they do with the coaching search and that's going to tell you a lot of what they're what they're going to do I you know I cannot wait to see what he does does with this roster what Brad Stevens does with this roster it's going to tell you ample volumes yeah. of, of what exactly he thinks about this roster right here. If, if all of a sudden all these players start exiting, I, you know, who knows if he's absolutely able to do it. But the easiest person they can get rid of, and Zook, take a minute because it's going to hurt. Your boy Marcus okay. Smart could be could be seeing the door oh. real, real quick here. I'd start with the other uh, backcourt yeah, mate e- first. E- that, you can't trade that dude. He's <laughs> <laughs> a I'm like, UConn guy. I'm you like can't stuttering. Even speak I can't even say that. that. Dude's making too much money. Who are you going to trade him yeah. for? Can say his name. I don't even. I don't want. I don't want to say, say his it. name. It's Kaiser Soze. I'll say it. Kemba Kaiser Walker. Soze. Kemba. <laughs> Kemba Walker needs to be shown the door. And I would love this Dallas swap. I think Porzingis needs a resurrection of his career in a different place. Now I know. In terms of contract swaps, everyone calls it two bad contracts. Walker has one year left, so Dallas would benefit getting rid of his contract sooner. Porzingis has, I believe, three years of big money left on his deal. But I think Porzingis is a reclamation project that could still uh, fit the Brad Stevens mold of a spot-up big-man shooter. And I don't know why his defense has gone so downhill. Could be injuries, but I would love that Porzingis-Kemba-Walker swap. I'd start right about, there. I hope. How about happens. a Kemba-Time Lord front court? That's kind of cool. You mean Porzing? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I have a wrong K. Kristaps, uh, not Kemba. I'm sorry. I was so Everyone, confused I got, there. Yes. I got a bunch of weird looks. I'm like, yeah. what did I say? <laughs> sorry. KP, Time Lord, front court. Not Kemba. Yes. Yeah. I, sorry. It de- I like it. It depends like on it, what Matt. you're getting, though. If you're getting this year's Kristaps uh, Porzingis, who can't move, who's, who's in a lot of ways like Kemba, like you said, then what are you really what are you really getting? This guy can't stay healthy for more than ten games at a time, and when he does, he's out there sulking and crying because Luka Doncic is a better basketball player than him. Sorry, but you know who else is better than you? Jason Tatum, also Jalen Brown. Mm. But Chile, honestly, just asking you right now, would you, do you think Porzingis is you, you only a guy like Billups or different people could get through to him? Like a I don't know if it's a get through and really I don't know if it's a him? get through type situation. If the dude can't stay healthy, it doesn't matter. You could get through mm. all you want, but if dude's limping up the court. You're on your own. So, 
You wouldn't do Kemba for for. Chris I'm not Stapps, saying I honestly. wouldn't do it. I'm just saying you're kind of trading one problem for another. It, is that really the answer? I don't know. I I would be willing to to at least explore it. Um, I don't know who you're who you're getting to take over for point guard because obviously, like I said, Marcus Smart is moving on out as well. Mm. But that's a good point about point guards too. I mean, there's so few true point guards left anymore. I mean, we see with Mike Conley out with Utah, Donovan Mitchell's bringing up the ball. I mean, Marcus Smart. Has played some point. I mean, there's very few Rondo's true point yeah. guards left. He's not even getting minutes now with the Clippers. So it's like, you know, I'm not sure you have to go and get yourself a quote unquote point guard. You could just put in your next best guard and then just work from there because the, the age of true point guards. I mean, Trey Young's been great. I guess he's a true point guard, but there's not many left like that. That have and who would who would have saw Trey Young turning into what he's turned into in this playoffs either? Because he mm. did not look like this last year great or point. even earlier a couple months ago. Yeah. I'm stunned yeah, the by the way that. he stomped on the Knicks. Love you, Trey. Thanks, buddy. I uh, want to wrap up the Celtics discussion with, with a very quick yes or no uh, answer to this. Uh, NBA earlier tonight released the all NBA teams for a second, third. No Jason Tatum. Surprised? Yes or no? Yeah. Absolutely surprised. Disappointed, angry, annoyed. Yeah. yeah. You can't tell me that Jason Tatum doesn't belong on any of those teams. He probably should have been on second team. I was surprised. Yeah, um, he should be there. <laughs> I'm a little hesitant, <laughs> hesitant just because of how the Zook's, team Zook's looking for any any excuse possible to say no, he doesn't belong there, but he can't. I will say, yeah, you're you're right on that, Sheely. Uh, I love when we argue, but I got to agree on this one. I, I think Tatum should have been there, and I think he actually showed me something in that Nets series, especially in Game Three, and even in the losses. Like my deal with Tatum is. Does he have the desire? Does he want to be really good? Or does he just want to get endorsements and score 30 in game and be like Tracy McGrady and just be a really, really good player, maybe even great, but never really wins anything. But I saw a little edge in that Nets series that showed me like he really wants to be at that high echelon level and he wants to take his team to that level, which is more important to me than individually what you do. So Tatum showed me something, even losing in five games. And I, I'm excited to see what the future will bring for him. I hope he just doesn't walk out the door in a couple of years. From yeah, Boston. I don't, I don't no. see that happening, but I agree that like next year is going to tell a big part of the story about who Jason Tatum is and who Jason Tatum is going to be. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit of Bruins uh, in the time we got left in Chile for your benefit. I want to make this a larger discussion about when teams have to know when the window is closing. How do you know how far open that window is or isn't? When do you move on? When do you trade off? Of course, uh, the Bruins bounced in six games in the second round by the Islanders. And as much as it hurt, I had to come to the realization and the acceptance that the Isles were a tougher, deeper, better coach team. And the better team did win that series. The Bruins on paper have more talent. They've got more marquee talent, more marquee names. That's not what wins in the playoffs. It'll, it'll score you a lot of pretty goals, get you a lot of pretty stats in the regular season. But come the playoffs, a totally different ball of wax. Uh, the Isles are so tailored to that style of play in the playoffs, which is why they have an excellent shot at making their first Stanley Cup final in forever if they get past Tampa Bay. But I think the better team won that series. And again, larger discussion, the Bruins, they, they've still got their core intact. You know, Marshan, um, Bergeron, they're, they're creeping up on their... Is that a good thing? Well, <laughs> where those guys are concerned, yes, because... That is the best line in hockey. I don't care what anyone says. Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron, that is the best line of hockey. The problem is the other three lines, you're getting nothing. 
And you can get away with that in the regular season where one line is so dominant and you have just enough goaltending and defense to get by. That's not going to cut it in the playoffs. They ran into a, a great, or I'm sorry, a banged up Washington team in round one. They got past him pretty easily in five games. A totally different story in uh, the second round. Isles bounced them in six games. Darwin, do you think that the window is closed? And if not, how, how fast is it closing? Yeah, I mean, I think it is closing, and I think you make a great point about the first line and how good it is, and that's really the main guys involved with that window closing. But there's another guy that I think is holding the team back, and I know Sheely's going to disagree with me again on this, but watching the playoffs, especially at the end, is the goalie. Tuka Rask was awful in those last couple games. He's having labrum surgery on his hip, and I get it. You're hurt. But now this has been going on a long time with Tuka Rask. He had a gastral issue in like a big pl- another big playoff game. He lost to the Blues in that game seven. He was putrid in that game. In big moments, Tuka Rask does not come through. The one cup the Bruins have won in the last, you know, in the last decade was with Tim Thomas. So I I just don't think Tuka Rask is the guy anymore. And I and I'm really disappointed that Bruce Cassidy didn't go with Swayman, the kid. In game uh, six, when Rask clearly was he hurting, was hurting, but I, and he didn't play I well. Under, in game I understand five. not going to Swayman because it was a road game. I think that is way too much to ask of a rookie. An elimination game on the road, I think that is you're putting him in a position to fail. So I know Tuca was hurt, but is is Swayman that fragile that I, it would I'm not saying he's fragile, but just the environment. I mean, you're making your first start in that scenario. Man, that's, I mean, that's tough. That's tough for anybody. It couldn't have gone worse. <laughs> well, in retrospect, yes, it, it couldn't have gone worse. I know, worse. in retrospect, yeah. I get it, yeah. I get it. But I I, I just was surprised because Cassidy seems to be, he's always talking in front of the media. He's very open about his players, and I was surprised he just didn't say. I, I feel like, let's put it this way, I think organizationally there was pressure from Neely and Sweeney to play Rask in that game. I think of Butch Cassidy, if you put him up to a lie detector and it was just him, no organizational decision, I don't think Rask would have been in in that game six. I think he thought that Swayman gave him the best chance to win that game. You know, I'm, I'm not going to jump in here and act like I, I, I'm i a huge Bruins fan or hockey fan either. Uh, the one thing I will say that I am surprised by, Darwin, is the, uh, that you're not giving Rask a little bit of a break here, that he did play through a torn hip labrum. I, that seems to be like your kind of person right there is you go for the tough guys who, who you know, leave it all out on either the field, the court, the ice, whatever. Uh, that seems to be what, what Tuca did here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not throwing stones here. I'm just surprised that you're not saying a little bit like, oh, I'm, I'm impressed by that. It's a good point. I just think that that's where you need a coach to come in. For instance, there's a Nets-Bucks game going on right now. James Harden was, I think, 0 for 6 at halftime. Now, if you're Steve Nash if he's that ineffective in that first half, you as the coach have to say, I know you're a star, sit down. You're not helping us. You're hurting the team. That's up to the coach. So you're right. Maybe I shouldn't be blaming Rask for that. Rask wanted to play. He did play. But I think the coach sometimes has to say, what gives us the best chance to win this game? I know it was a pressure moment, but watching Rask in game five, he was bad. He was bad in the last two games. There I seems agree. to yeah. be a familiar argument that you and I have on just about every sports team that, that, that we look at. And it's always, you're, you're saying they, they should have done this. And my argument is always, well, yeah, if they did this, who else are they replacing that person with? And again, to, to Waymire's point here, if you're replacing him with a rookie who doesn't, you know, even know how to wipe his nose in, in terms of hockey, he was good in the regular sure. season. Swayman was not just totally he, he wasn't out he of was, nowhere. No, he was he was very good, but I, I just think 
that that environment and that situation to ask that of a rookie would have been, you know, asking for trouble. And that, I mean, rocking a hard place here for Bruce Cassidy. I mean, it, it really was. It really, and I think another point about Tuca, you have to go back a year ago and what happened with him. How, when he left the bubble to tend to a family emergency, which at the time, nobody knew what was going on. All anybody knew was that, oh, geez, you got the Stanley Cup contending team, you're the starting goaltender, and you leave. And he got the, the hate he got for that and still gets for that, even after it came out that his daughter was hospitalized and, and he took the first flight home as any good father would or should. And I hold no ill will towards him for that. Because I think, honestly, for look, we're being honest here. Even if he had stayed, I think Tampa beats him anyway. They went on to win the, the cup after all. But but again, getting back to Tuca, I think that he was trying, maybe over trying to, to, you know, overcompensating for what happened last year to prove to the fan base, hey, I'm here for, for this ride. I'm on one good hip. It, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to be in there for my team. I'm not going to abandon them, quote unquote. It's just not what he did, but that's how it was perceived. I'm not going to abandon this team again. I think that played a, a large role into both his decision and Bruce Cassidy's decision. It backfired, but in retrospect, I can't say it was the wrong move. I really can't. Okay. I hear both your points, but Matt, let me just ask you this sure. point blank. Don't you feel isn't as a Bruins fan inwardly right now, your gut reaction, don't you think it's time? Like, I'm not saying some of these things were his fault at all and his family, but like, it just feels there's like some baggage there. Like it just feels like it's time to move on from two. Is that like a, so going back to your, is that like a Gordon Hayward about, type baggage type situation? Do you think not, obviously not the same situ- yeah. scenario, but you know, sometimes yeah. you get to a point where that, you just can't go back. Yeah. I think that is yeah. fair. The difference is Rask is like a mainstay of the Bruins for a longer period of time. And people think about Bruins. They think, you know, they think Bergeron, they think they think Marshan, they think uh, Pasternak even now, and they think like Tuka Rass, like that's the guy. And I just think it feels like now, it's like at some point you have to cut bait with the guy. It just feels like now. I think, you know, like I was saying before, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, uh, he has, he has, you know, absorbed a lot of criticism, a lot of hate from the Bruins fan base over the years. And Darwin, you brought up, you know, losing game seven, the cup final in 2019, that was that was his chance to to solidify his legacy and to finally shut everybody up and say, hey, you know, his name is on the cup from 2011, but as a backup, that was his opportunity. And I'm not pinning the entire loss on him by any means. But again, no one showed up. No for that one did. game, which is remarkable. Mar- you know, Brad Marchand, he, he had that that horrific gaffe at the end of the first period, which put him out two if goals. Marchand- Imagine Marshan in this playoffs, best player no on question. the team in these two. Se- Imagine that Marshan and that Blues yeah. game seven. They yeah. probably are hoisting a cup. Rask has a different commentary. Yeah, you know. Hey guys, changed. I gotta, I gotta break in, right? So this is a, we just won a prestigious award. This is the longest hockey talk that has ever been on any podcast <laughs> ever. So I think we deserve ever. some kind of kudos right now. And you know, congratulations right. to us. Slap our backs, and there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, playoff hockey is awesome. I, I can't say I pay attention to the regular season all that much, but in the playoffs, I watch all, I watch almost everything. I love hockey playoffs. I mean, just just the, the crowds and and look, I mean, I, I hated losing to the Islanders and I got a lot of a lot of uh you know stuff, gruff, whatever you want to call it, at work for my Islanders uh, co-workers. And hey, they deserved it. They they won fair and square. You beat us, good. Move on and, and go in a cup. Shove them in a locker. I, believe me, I tried. I'm not big or strong enough. That's where I need you, Darwin. Get it, get help me out. I'll Thank help you, you do Thank that. Thank you. You know where I'm working. 
for now. Um, but yeah, uh, it's but but looking at uh, looking at the crowds and the way. And here's another thing about Bruce Cassidy. I, I think he made a, a critical tactical error when he criticized the refs, the whole New York Saints thing. After losing game five, dude, that's fine if you're heading into a home game. Don't feed the visiting fans team, the visiting team's fans. Like that to me was such a dumb tactical thing to error. Do. Like, dude, you've been you've been in this a while. Like, you can't make you can't make a move like that. If, again, if you say that before game six, which is at home, which you know, or game you know game seven, which would have been at home, that's one thing. But to fire up the Islanders fans with that comment and, and blow up Twitter was all oh, that was dumb. It's a great that point. That was stupid. So that falls on him. Cutting bait with Tuca, it may happen because he, he's talked openly about retiring. And just wanting to be a family man, and he's in his mid-30s, which is not ancient by any means now, and the Red Sox are now winning. Thank you, Alex Verdugo. Um, but but yeah, it just it I, I like the the point you guys made, you know, the comparison between the Hayward baggage and the Rask baggage, where it's not necessarily either one of their faults directly. It's just they're victims of circumstance. And when those things accumulate, you just need a fresh look, a new start. And for that reason, not because not it's not a personal indictment on either one of these guys, but that's when it's time to cut bait and move on. So that that might be the case with Tuka Rask. So really is true. Two two incredible changing times with the Celtics and Bruins right now. Because the Bruins are gonna undergo some type of shift, I feel like going to next year. Celtics already have in a dramatic way. So I mean it's a it's a huge transitional time, not to mention the Patriots, which we might not even get to today, but a huge transitional time for those three teams especially the Celtics and Bruins in terms of what's yeah. going to happen going into Hey one the of the similarity year. that I just I was picking up on as you guys were talking about was just the 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 similarities between the Celtics and Bruins in terms of are they top heavy right the Celtics I think are are pretty top heavy in in terms yeah. of their starting line I know you Matt yeah. you said that the uh, Bruins starting lineup is the uh starting lineup whatever uh per- per- first line. line thank you is the uh, is the best in the NHL right now uh that yeah. I can't say that about the Celtics there's no chance you could say that about the Celtics especially no. when the Nets are in existence and all healthy at least um right. but there's no depth there's no depth either in the Celtics or the Bruins maybe um and maybe that's an issue too that that needs to be addressed before we go anywhere else yeah I agree I agree and especially you know with with the way that the playoffs develop now in in every sport it's a it's about health and depth. It's not about star power necessarily. And Darwin, like you were saying before, the Nets are taking it on the chin tonight uh, at home, and the tightening up. What's that? Tightening up now. Four six point, point game. Oh, okay. but hopefully they will take it on the chin in the right. Screw the right. Nets. Is there a team that we hate any more than the Nets <laughs> in basketball right now? By the way, no, they are so hateable, Sheila. Yeah. Let's agree on yeah, that. Yeah, five. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, I okay. I dislike them, but guys. Oh, hate, 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 hate sports hate. hate. Sports hate. I agree. But, like, you, you hate the Nets more than the Yankees? Really? In basketball. Only basketball. Only oh, in sports. Oh, all right. I just I thought you meant, like, just, just any any team, nope. any sport. Only in basketball. Okay. All and right. The, the, the Lakers the, are a close second, but they're already out of the playoffs, so I'm not really right. that concerned with the purple and gold right. right now. Yeah. And, by the way, how, you know, I guess fitting, for lack of a better word, was it that you look at the, the four finalists in the NBA last year, three of them, because of the short offseason – Got banged up, never found their footing, and had first round playoff exits. Celtics, obviously, Lakers and Heat. I don't think that's an accident. 
No, absolutely not. I'm excited to see what happens now. I'm disappointed in the last several games in the playoffs. It feels like it's all blowouts. Like Phoenix blew out the Nuggets. Even last night, the Jazz, the Clippers blew out. The games themselves haven't been that entertaining, but I am excited to see, like, finally, like a new NBA champion. There's no Warriors. There's no Lakers. Um, LeBron's done. So it's. I'm curious to see which star rises, what happens now. So I think you know that that's going to be fun Joel Embiid's playing through injury 0 for 12 in the second half mm. yesterday I mean this stuff's going to happen here in these NBA playoffs and I'm curious to see who's who's standing Guys, the, in the, the, end. the Phoenix Suns may be the next NBA champion I know that sounds ridiculous but it, it really is it could it could happen that, that's, it could happen Chris Paul will Chris Paul will find a way to miss two key free throws <laughs> in the Western Conference Finals mark my words as good as he's played I've seen him do this with the Clippers. He's been there. Not that we're on a huge tangent away from, but, but Chris Paul will find a way to mess this that, up. That's actually Mark my pick. That. Not not necessarily uh, with the head, but certainly with the heart. As I'm, I'm looking for the uh, the Suns to uh, to ex- to succeed and, and actually win this whole damn thing. Man, guys, we got a couple minutes left, and th- this is a game that I probably enjoy this a little more than you guys. But I'm I'm gonna just drop it on you now because I think it's a good way to close the show. Let's play. Name that former Red Sox. I'm going to give you some stats of a former Red Sox from this year. I don't know if these stats are exact. I saw them a day or two ago, and it blew my mind. Let's see if you guys can name Let me get Google What's open. that? I, let me no, get my you Google, Google page Google for this. I, I highly doubt. So the numbers I saw, and again, I could be a little bit off on this. In 2021, 28 innings pitched, 45 Ks, point. Wait, wait. This, this year, year? This year. 28 okay. innings, 45 Ks. 0.66 ERA. Name that former Red Sox. Is he a former closer? Might be. Craig Kimbrell. Boom. Yeah. Crazy, wow. right? Wow. Tim hit it first, our <laughs> producer. He wrote it in before before Sheely could even answer. Tim is the winner. Tim McMaster, the winner. Of uh, Tim, uh, who is also <laughs> a soon-to-be father. Congratulations, Tim. Awesome news. Woo! You should call him Craig. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> not Brad, yeah, not Brad, not. Da- is Kimbrel? Uh, is he been known to use uh, rosin bags? And here's the thing: stuff every and, single pitcher uh, in baseball uses sticky stuff. They're all into it's that. No matter sticky how much, all matter how every much. Single, Sheila, you're not usually one no, to use blanket statements. Every like that. listen, baseball is full of cheaters. They have been full of cheaters for the entire history of the sport. Either you're cheating as a hitter, or you're cheating as a pitcher, and if you're not trying. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? It's just yeah. yeah but yet you turn your blind eye because you're you're not a cheater, Shelly, and you are like a you're like a good dude who does the right thing, and yet you you love this sport and you love where it's going. Yet now you're calling everyone a cheater. I don't. Well, know. This doesn't sound like you to be. When the entire sport cheats, it's not like you can really pick pick apart. Uh, no, I'm I'm I would I wish that the entire sport didn't cheat, but you can't argue the facts. That's exactly what they've done. If it's steroids, if it's uh, performance-enhancing drugs of any other sort. Stealing signs. Stealing signs, yeah. If it's uh, <laughs> What's up, Alex Cora? Um, That's right, baby. <laughs> Manager and, of the year. And now it's sticky stuff, right? Because they've been using sticky stuff. For, it's been a top of, topic of conversation for years. It's been accepted. Everyone said, fine, whatever. We, we, we want the pitchers to have more control so they're not, they're not loose cannons. They're not hitting people left and right and beaning people in the head. Yeah, you know what? Now they're just picking apart, and this is the time where everyone's getting their uh, their panties in a bunch and, and getting upset about it. But it's whatever. And and there's can I just ask you guys one thing? You guys are more baseball than me, and I'm honestly really curious your response. 
there's the, all conspiracy theories out there, right? Of like Major League Baseball each year can sometimes manipulate the ball, uh, different aspects about it to create more of a hitting season, create more of a pitching season, whatever. My question is, if the ball is just the ball and the players are just the players, no steroids, no enhancements, no nothing to the ball, is the concern that there would be too many home runs and too much hitting or is the concern there would be too many no hitters, too much pitching and not enough hitting? What is is, is the issue with keeping it level? The concern is there would be too much of something because every time it shifts one way, they overcorrect in the other direction. What is the middle? Like, if you're doing a science experiment, That's what is question. the question? I don't know. We've never seen I mean, a clean. The We've I'm never seen a clean. The middle ground. The control? Yeah. We've never seen a clean as a sport, right. so who knows? Well, going back to the 70s no. and the 60s. No, I mean, absolutely not. These people no, are in. I don't. Yeah, these people spit, are taking absolutely balls, everything. amphetamines. Yeah, the amphetamines have been going on for years, years yeah. and years and years. It's not. This is not something that's new. That. I'm telling you, baseball. As much is- as people romanticize about yesteryear and the good old days of baseball, those only exist in fairy tale narratives yeah. because taking shortcuts and cheating and finding ways, underhanded, dirty ways to win, that's, Sheila, you, I mean, you said it. That's been the definition of the sport since almost since its inception. And in more so than any other sport. More than any other sport, too. What is the way to fix it, more. though? What is the way Who to knows? fix it? You fix one thing I, and I something mean, else pops up and they say, oh, right. God, this is the, the moment that we're going to focus on this. And to me, this is a direct result of them saying, okay, we have to f- try to figure out something to get away from the three true outcomes, right? That the, the home runs, strikes, and strikeouts, and walks. Yep. So they're saying if we take off the, the sticky substances, maybe the spin rates won't be crazy and we won't have to worry about that. And there will be more offense, more contact. Because right now it's either home runs or strikeouts, right? Everyone's going for broke on every single swing. Yeah. Launch maybe, angle. Maybe if All the spin rate angle. and you're not getting crazy breaking balls and, and crazy fast uh, four-seam fastballs, then maybe there'll that'll be more contact in the sport. So I think this is a direct result of that. Is it the right answer? Yeah, probably. I mean, anytime that there's people cheating, you should probably do anything you can to try to eliminate that. So, you know, I don't I don't see any problem with going after it. It is going to be very, very interesting to see what the effect is on this. And mm-hmm. what is the effect on the Red Sox pitching staff that is already pretty terrible? Uh, you know what? They need all the help they can get. Maybe they should just use a, just straight up pine tar, just cover the ball, because that's the only yeah. chance they have at being anywhere near good this year. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And um, what was I going to say? Brain fart. Darwin, help me out. I can't for I can't remember. No this one knows what happens when you get older. Alex Cora. But what is Alex Cora's role in this too? Because he has to be really careful in terms of what he says or what oh, he does yeah. at this point. Because he's kind of has two strikes right. on him, literally right now in terms from Major League right. Baseball, and he's and he's overseeing a staff that was doing quite well this year until until, until the recently. Down, what, so you know, I, the, the timing of that, mm, yeah. Scratch your head. I, I was going to say that you know what, the focus now is on the baseballs and the sticky stuff and the this and the that. And when and as all this is going on, I promise you, I promise you, there's another team right now developing a more sophisticated way to steal signs than the Astros did that's going to fly under the radar. And in five years, it's going to be Astros 2.0. That's just the way it works. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it works. You guys' favorite sport is a, is a is. mess right now. Can't argue that. that. It is, and it always has been, and it always will be. Yep. But you're okay with that. That's I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this of trying to like, what, what was okay? Put it this way: What was your favorite time to watch baseball? So it did did it have any correspondence to something being cleaner or no? Because 
So I, what, what I just equate it to me just me being a be. kid and being oblivious and naive to all this stuff and just just turning on the TV and watching WSBK TV 38 out of Boston and enjoying the hell out of my Red Sox. I love that, That's too. It. That was when I enjoyed baseball the most is when I was, again, oblivious and naive to all the shenanigans going on. And I just want to watch Roger Clemens strike guys out and Wade Boggs get three hits a game. That's that's when I was the happiest. The two you know? cleanest guys in all of sports. Roger Absolutely. Clemens. Two beacons <laughs> of virtue, Clemens and Boggs. No, but I, again, the, the naivety of being a kid, that's where it all paid off because I didn't realize what scumbags they were. Yeah, ignorance and is bliss, right? Ignorance it's, is bliss. That's all you Perfect. need to know. You, you fall in it. love with sport. But if, okay, but but I'm a well, one last try. I'm going to try at this. If you're a commissioner now, what do you do to correct it and try and move in a positive direction where there's some transparency and understanding of where the sport is going and at least not as much cheating? Where do you see go the problem is they're screwed. Uh, they can't get anything past the players association. The players association despises the owners, despises the commissioner and vice versa. They, these two are oil and water. They're never actually going to get together and fix anything because they hate each mm-hmm. other too much. So, Anything yeah, that they possibly could do, it's 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 very political. It's it's just like yeah. our nation's politics right now. That's um, right. Everyone hates each other, so they can't agree. And if it's something that benefits one one side, then the other side digs in their heels and, and won't go for it. So I don't know how they get past that. Uh, the only thing they can do is try to do exactly what they're doing now. Right now, they're doing this toothless. 10 game suspension with pay with pay yeah which give me a break if you manipulate it you you lose one start if you're a starting pitcher right, right. what does that really do you got to up that yeah. to 20 or 30 games if you're going to have to do pay because of the play you can't get it past the players association you need to up that suspension okay. double that in yeah. order to discourage players there's no compromise only conflict and boys my sobs i think that's a good place to end it uh on this very hot, sweltering night in my Nissan Sentra. I uh, hope you guys are staying cooler in your air-conditioned uh, locales. For Steve Sheely, for Darwin Zook, for executive producer and father-to-be, Tim McMaster, I'm Matt Waymeyer. Signing off for this Sons of Bellhorn. Join us next time. More riveting discussion on more riveting topics about our beloved Boston sports team. So long, everybody.